Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna. This is News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, Leslie Giltonen is the personal trainer of Lean with Leslie. Today she talks to me about surviving through the pandemic by using her moving her business online and how to get back on track if just because the gyms are open, your motivation isn't necessarily back. And business owner Christine Carolyn on the challenges of getting back to work after cancer diagnosis and treatment. And Maria Doyle on whether or not journaling is worth giving a go. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I went back to the gym. I laboured over the decision of joining a new gym that has opened close by. Because as I mentioned this week, I've been struggling a little bit with my post-lockdown identity. I've become confused as to whether I prefer to work out at home so there's no childcare or traffic and parking to think of or do I need to be at the gym with all the proper equipment and a professional to show me how to do it properly but like with anything we start with the negativity bias and think of all the reasons why not to do something but I can confirm after two sessions in the gym I'm delighted to be back and my ability to walk properly due to muscle pain has confirmed that I was not working out as hard as I had hoped at home and a reminder that I'm not rushing back to work off the COVID stone that I hear people keep talking about or any of that nonsense. I'm going for my head, I'm going for my health and I'm going for the endorphin rush at the end and because I enjoy it. Whatever it is that you enjoy that involves moving your body, you just do that. I don't think anyone should feel a pressure to rush back and start changing their body. We've just been through a pandemic. Take your time. And I had a big reaction, speaking of the pandemic, to last week's topic on the overall feelings associated with getting back to normal, in inverted commas, after the last 15 months. Lots contacted me on Instagram with varying degrees of anxiety from full-on stress and panic attacks that they'd never experienced before to a more general feeling of, who am I now? And when I finally got my turn in the salon chair this week, My hairdresser told me that almost every person in her chair has said that they've lost a certain sense of who they are as we try to get back to the things that we missed in lockdown, that we try to keep the things that we loved in lockdown and we try to heal from the things that we didn't. So it's really normal if you are feeling that way too and it will pass. I also think that we've had a lot of time in our heads and the sooner we just get on with stuff rather than thinking about stuff, hopefully not at quite the manic pace of before, it'll all settle down. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, the email address is always open, aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. I love to hear people's thoughts on what we cover on the show and suggestions for future topics we could discuss. And I received this one during the week from Christine Carolyn. She says, Dear Claire, I wonder if you could talk about returning to work after illness. I personally found it tough getting back to work after going through my breast cancer treatment. It's been three years now since I went through my treatment and there's a lot to contend with when you're starting to put yourself out there again. Not only do you look different, but you have huge anxiety because of what you've gone through. In my case, I went into menopause-like symptoms due to the drug I'm on, so night sweats and hot flushes were part and parcel of the course. I have always worked hard, so I started to interview again with my crazy short chemo curls, hot flushes, and when I look back now, I probably should have given myself a bit more time. 
I remember leaving one interview walking sideways as I knew my back was soaking as I was sweating so much due to the medication side effects. I was consulting before I got sick and I have my own company, Caroline Gifts Limited, and a consultancy, Carolyn Consulting, which I'm building now. But I have to say, I find the Irish market tough to enter. My last contract was in Germany. I commuted weekly, flying out Tuesday to Thursday, and I finished up there in December. I've pitched for roles in Ireland, but I'm told I'm overqualified. I think we need a voice out there to speak for women and men who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s, who have a wealth of experience, but due to life events, ill health, had to come away from the workforce and now as they look to get back out there, they are met with rejection. I've been told for some roles that I would be bored, I am overqualified or I don't have the skill set, which I clearly did. I'd love to see companies follow Facebook's lead and support this cohort of workers who are not necessarily motivated by salary, it's more about purpose. There are loads of companies running graduate programmes, Big Pharma going into colleges to recruit the young stars, but there should be room for the other age bracket. I'm keen to get this conversation started. I've lots of compassion for people who are getting knockback after knockback. So if we could help them to get their confidence back with interviewing skills, CV writing, LinkedIn profile and get the major companies on board to celebrate and welcome these candidates with all their experience, it would be amazing. And Christine joins me on the line now. Hello, Christine. Hiya, Claire. How are you? I'm very good. And this is an interesting topic because we do obviously talk a lot about cancer diagnosis and and cancer treatment and recovering from cancer. But we don't really talk about getting back to work after illness. So let's hear a little bit more about your story then. Was it important for you to get back to work after your treatment to feel like you were getting back to yourself? Oh, 100%. Um, You know, before I was ill, I was working as a senior communications manager for Microsoft and Western Europe, and I was traveling everywhere. I was so busy. Um, I loved working. You know, I have two young girls and I love to work and for them to see me as a role model. And, um, and, you know, I'm happiest when I'm busy. And for all of a sudden to be diagnosed um, with, you know, a grade four tumor um, really stopped me in my tracks. And, I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? And when the consultant said to me, look, you're going to be off work for at least a year, I was thinking, oh my God, you know, um, I'm self-employed, you know, I'm a consultant, what am I going to do? So all of these thoughts were going through my head. Um, so thankfully, once I got through everything and I was ready to get back to work, I thought I'd never get back out there. You know, I literally, as soon as I could, I was back out in the, on the scene doing interviews and uh, put myself out there. I just couldn't wait. You said in your email that perhaps you should have given yourself more time. How much time did you take and was your decision to go back also influenced by financial reasons? Is there enough support out there to give people the time they need? Um, no, there's definitely not enough support out there, Claire. So for me, um, for, my, for me personally, because I was self-employed back then, um, the revenue or the government didn't really support people like me. Um, so there was no funding to support me while I was off work. So I didn't get, you know, sick pay or anything like that. Um, so there was that added pressure for me to go back because um, I was in a very well-paid job beforehand. Um, you know, I literally went back as I finished my last treatment. Um, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have given myself more time if if I could. But that pressure was on me financially. Um, and I put that pressure on myself, to be honest, because that's in my nature. Um, but, you know, when I look back at some interviews, they were kind of funny. You know, I was going into interviews with my short curly hair 
And, um, you know, if you look at my LinkedIn profile at the time, I would have had really long hair um, because I'd lost all my hair through treatment. So I looked different, you know, so um, you know, it, it was uh, it was it was tough. But I but again, if I'd had more time or maybe financial support from the government, I could have given myself a couple of more months to, to try and get, get a bit more normality back in the way I looked, I suppose, physically. And did you feel comfortable sharing with people in an interview that you had just come through cancer treatment? No. And, you know, this is something I'm really only talking about it now. Um, and this is why I think it's important, because I don't know if other people feel like this, but there's a bit of a shame where when you're sick, you know, like, did you bring it on yourself? Did you do something that, you know, you know, is it a sign of weakness or are employers going to think if they employ you and they know you had cancer? Are you going to get it again? And are they going to have to pay for your sick leave? You know, so there was all these things going on in my head. And I remember speaking to a particular friend of mine who was a recruiter as well. And he said to me, don't tell them you are sick. And I, I was like, why? And he said, oh, you know, they might see it as, oh, I don't know. He, he said, just glaze over it on your on your CV and hope they don't ask any questions. So that was always in the back of my mind. So I was always anxious going for interviews, feeling, should I say it? Should I not say it? Um, you know, but then you have your appearance looking really different to what you look like on your profile. And, you know, people are looking at you kind of going, what's going on here? You know, so it was it was a tough one. But I think now if I was doing it again, I would just say it. I would just say, listen, I was sick. I'm back now. I'm better. Here I am. You know. Yeah, because it shows great strength of character, doesn't it? That you've just come through this and you want to get back to work. It should be seen as a bit of a a superpower, I think, rather than something you have to hide and be ashamed of. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I really, I wrote about that recently on LinkedIn as well, you know, because um, I'm talking to a lot of people who are struggling to get back out into the workforce. They're struggling to get interviews, actually. And, you know, people who have taken time out to care for people, um, you know, for sick children, sick parents, whatever. And again, you know, they're feeling they're being judged. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk on social media about being authentic and being relevant and being uh, relating to each other and being human. But in the re- I suppose the reality of it is there's a, an age demographic of people who are really struggling to get jobs at the moment and getting even getting past um, the bot systems and recruitment process to actually get in front of someone. And it's a shame because, as you say, people who have gone through things like I've gone through um, shows resilience, shows strength. You know, we've empathy, you know, we've compassion because we've been through the worst you can be through. So wouldn't you love to have people like that on your team? Yeah, and as you say, it's just that bit more authentic. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna, and I'm talking to Christine Carolyn about returning to work after cancer. And it's not just illness, really, is it, um, Christine, returning to work after maternity leave, um, after grief, after any illness, your confidence yeah. can be on the floor. Um, I've often heard it and I felt it myself after having a baby. You feel like you've lost that work self, but it doesn't seem like there is the environment there where, where you can talk about that honestly. And I, I sometimes I think the way we've had to work through the pandemic where people have had to have babies on their knee for Zoom calls or, you know, admit that they're going to collect their kids and then they'll be back to work, that maybe it will open up a little bit more honesty, not just when it comes to parenting, but when it comes to juggling work and life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, Claire, like my dad has dementia and during COVID, he got COVID and, you know, he was in hospital for six weeks. So I had all of that worry while I was working. 
you know, um, I had to do the fair deal scheme while I was working. I had to organize all the paperwork. I had to, I'm his power of attorney. So I had all that pressure on top of everything else. Um, and I just think that companies, organizations, leaders need to be more mindful of, of the whole person, you know, um, you know, even if you think of the pandemic, as you said, juggling babies on your knees, you know, we've invaded people's homes, we've seen people's kitchens, you know, we've looked at people's pictures on their walls. Um, that privacy is gone. Um, but I do think that we need to be more, some, have more empathy and more um, compassion towards each other and really give everybody a chance to prove themselves and to get back out there and just do what they love doing, you know. Yeah, because you also mentioned in your email working for purpose, not just financial gain. Why do you think that's important and, and how would you define that? So for me, working for purpose, you know, I love what I do. I'm lucky to actually love what I do. I'm a communications consultant. I love cultural transformation. I get up every morning and I really enjoy what I do. Um, and I think a lot of people over the last 16 months, after going through everything that we've gone through, have really looked done a deep dive into their own life and looked at how they're living how they're working you know being able to work remotely has allowed people now to make life-changing decisions moving down the country moving to the coast or moving out of the country even now when we're allowed to travel again um i just think you know we only have one life we should be doing what we love and if you can do something that brings real value um to yourself or to an organization um it will make you so much happier you know i think Everyone wants to feel valued and feel that their contribution is worthwhile. Um, and I think if you can do that, um, you'll just be so, so much happier. Like I'm so much happier myself uh, because I've I made a decision um, to work the way I work, to be a consultant and I enjoy what I do. Um, so I think a lot more people are looking at more purposeful uh, roles within companies, more purpose in their family life, in their relationships. And um, I think you know, by doing so, they will be a lot more happier in themselves. Yeah. And, and maybe we could be a bit more brave or confident to just be be honest in our place of work about yeah. what we want, what we need, what we're going through. Because I think we've all been through the interview process where we kind of turn into a bit of a robot and we yeah. are trouncing out the lines that our worst quality is that we're a perfectionist and all that kind of yeah. thing rather than saying, I've just come back from illness. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm actually really keen to get back because I love what I do and, and be free to talk about what you've just been through or how your dad is or that you have a baby that's not sleeping through the night still. But, you know, if you could work from home a couple of days a week, it would really help. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think starting the conversation and, and, and allowing that makes for, for better employees all, all around, I think, and better team members. Christine, how is your health now? I'm great. I'm great. Um, you know, it was funny when I went, when I was getting checked out of the system, so to speak, you know, I had my last checkup there. Um, the consultant said to me, OK, I don't need to see you again. And I was like, what? You know, because you get so used to being looked after and being minded in the hospital system. And um, he said, no, no, you're out there now. You're just like everybody else. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm just like everybody else. So I'm fine. I get regular checkups. Um, I'm like everybody else. I need to lose the COVID kilo. Um, but look, other than that, I'm fine. I'm, I I have aches and pains like everyone would through. It's probably age. I probably don't need to do my treatment at this age. But um, yeah, no, I'm great. I'm great. I'm in great form. And, and um, I'm feeling very lucky. I'm very blessed to be where I am today. Do you live waiting for cancer to tap you on the shoulder again or are you able to put it behind you? 
Um, I was thinking about it. Do you know what? I don't think you ever put it behind you. I constantly check myself because that's how I found it in the first place. I was checking myself one night in bed uh, randomly and I found uh, the lump. Um, so I'm, I'm always checking myself. Um, there's always that fear. Um, but I think it eases as, as time goes by. Like every year, it's another milestone. You know, so, you know, every year further away from your cancer diagnosis is a year you're ha- you feel a little bit happier. Um, but, um, you know, somebody said to me, you know, I'm the luckiest person in one way because I'll always be checked. I'm always monitored. Um, I'm in, in every year, I get my mammogram. If I have, a, you know, any aches and pains, I'm brought straight in, you know, to be checked up on. So um, it's always there, but it shouldn't, it, it doesn't define me and it doesn't control me. I get on with my day and I get on with my week, you know. Yeah. And as you say, you're really grateful for what you have. And it, it's given you that you don't take anything for granted, like many of us kind of sleepwalk through it all. So would you have any advice for somebody who's about to head back to work or is looking for work after a cancer experience or similar? Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot of research um, and I've been looking at different companies. So we've all these big multinationals in Ireland who are constantly all over social media talking about how they're doing these recruitment campaigns. Um, but there's one, two companies at the moment, um, Facebook and a company called City, who are doing back to work programs for people like myself um, or who have been out of work for whatever time because of illness or uh, life events. Um, and they do recruitment campaigns for people to help them enter back into the workforce. So they're really good. Um, I, you know, I, I was looking at them even for somebody else I was supporting, I was helping. Um, and I would say to people, you know, be kind to yourself and give yourself a bit of time if you can. Um, don't expect everything to fall into place straight away because now you're just back out there like everybody else and you're you're competing like everybody else, you know, so try and be kind to yourself when things don't work out on certain days. Um, but from a, that's from a mental health point of view, but from a practical point of view as well, um, I would tell people really have a look at your CV, um, really look at your CV for the roles you're applying for. Does it match that particular role? Because unfortunately, we have these bot systems that scan all the CVs before they ever get to the hiring manager. So if your CV does not reflect in keywords, and that's been advertised you're not even going to get considered which is so destroying I think it's it's so unfair but um, I think if people get a bit more clever about their strategies and really hone in the CV to represent or reflect the job that's been posted they'll have a better chance and um, you know just be on LinkedIn and try and make connections and start putting yourself out there and um, and hopefully the right job will come for you but again above all else I'll say just be kind to yourself you've been through enough and um, just take it easy and the right job will come for you at the right time. Well, I'd be interested to hear listeners' experience of returning to the workforce after illness or loss and grief or even uh, becoming parents. Was your confidence hit? Did you find it hard? And do you think there is enough of an honest culture where people can speak openly about what they've been through without it looking like it's going to impact on their ability to work. You can email us aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. But Christy and Carolyn, thank you so much for contacting the show and starting this conversation. All the very best to you. No problem. Thank you, Claire. Coming up after the break, is journaling worth doing? Alive and Kicking on News Talk. You're very welcome back to Alive and Kicking. 
Now, Maria Burke studied pharmacy and went on to open three retail pharmacies upon qualifying. But over the years, her career began to evolve into more of a mentor and coaching role. She also wrote best-selling book, The Formula, How to Live Your Best Life, and Maria Champion's Journaling. She set up Wayward Journals, as she says, writing down challenges, thoughts, experiences and reflections packs a powerful punch in terms of providing personal well-being benefits and achieving business results. Maria Burke is on the line now. Hello, Maria. Hi, Claire. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much. So your career took an interesting turn. It sure did. I have had various careers throughout my life. I like change and uh, this Wayward Journals is the latest uh, career that I have decided to embark on. I love health and well-being and have always been interested in the finding ways that when we put some effort into something that we get a higher return on the effort we invest because life is short and there are some great tools out there. And when did you start journaling and then suggesting it to your clients? Well, first of all, I discovered it in my 20s when I had my pharmacies. I felt uh, quite overwhelmed with business problems, high interest rates. I had no business training. Everything was going wrong. And also I realized that every customer, every person copes differently. And I noticed uh, some people bounce back from challenges. Some people found it really difficult to, to cope. So I became curious and started reading self-help books, leadership books, business books, and uh, going to courses. And I discovered, first of all, I discovered gratitude. And I used to say to myself on the way to work in the morning and the way home in the evening, five things I was grateful for. I found this very helpful. And then on further research, I discovered that writing it down reinforces the thoughts and feelings in your brain. So I started writing it down and encouraging my customers in the pharmacy to write it down as well. And it works. Um, it works so well. And there are some some tips on gratitude journaling that makes it work better. Um, for me, it gives the greatest possible benefit for the shortest amount of time invested. You can simply get a piece of paper and a pen and write down what you're grateful for, three to five things. Uh, I suggest being specific and really honest so your list has more meaning. For example, if you enjoyed a good night's sleep, a delicious morning coffee, a walk, a chat with a friend, a hug that we might all be able to have now after a year of maybe fewer hugs, um, that really makes a difference. And then the next thing I suggest is to go deeper and write why you're grateful, because that reinforces the positive thoughts in your mind. And the more you do it, the more you notice patterns. And then it's easier for you to choose to do more of the stuff you're grateful for. Yeah, that's interesting, because I think people might listen and be like, oh, for God's sake, I mean, I know I enjoy my coffee in the morning and I know I enjoyed hugging my mom for the first time after Mm. a year. But I think we don't realise how much we are in our heads fretting about things like you were describing yourself there coming from the pharmacy and you know of course there are things going on with staffing with business and we tend to zone in on those sort of things so by writing it down you you begin to change those neural pathways and feel a bit better in 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 yourself I don't think people realize the power of something that small that's so 
so true. And journaling has been around for a long time and lots of research has been been done. And journaling works on two levels. As you say, it changes the neural pathways. It works on your feelings and it works on your thoughts. Remember as a child, you know, most of us love to write in a little diary or doodle or draw and colour. It's so relaxing and it brought us much joy. And I I still see that. Um, But into adulthood, we deny ourselves those simple pleasures and we, we may not have time. We may prioritize other tasks and anxiety can take over. And the first, the way journaling works is on your feelings, you can assign a word towards the feeling and this helps you accept it. And when you accept the feeling and name it, it cools your brain down and, and takes the worries out of your head and leaves you more space to focus on goals and business or other life priorities. And also when we write, we write slower than we think. So you're thinking, thinking, thinking. But when you write down your thoughts, you automatically slow your brain down. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna and I'm talking to Maria Burke of Wayward Journals about the art of journaling. So, Maria, you're moving on a little bit there then from writing down what you're grateful for to journaling and writing down your feelings. So is there a right Mm. or wrong way to do that? Do you just sit down with a pen and paper and just start writing whatever comes out? You know, there's no right or wrong. And the other thing is we're all different. And whereas there's no right or wrong, um, there are tips to make journaling easier and more effective. Some people can find it daunting to know, where will I start? Oh, writing down my feelings. I don't know if I can. But there has been research done on something called expressive writing. And this involves writing down your thoughts and feelings for 20 minutes a day for just four days. And even this much writing down has helped to to decrease anxiety and worry and even help sleep and mental wellness. And what it involves is just getting your notebook and pen and being honest. The secret is to be honest and not just to write down what's happening, to also write down how you feel about it, the effect it's having on your life, and crucially to move towards, well, what are my options? What can I do about this? And list every single option you can. Then take your time. Do this for four days, read over it and take it helps you take decisions. One, it helps get the worries out of your head and onto paper, clearing up space in your brain. And two, it brings you clarity, which is crucial for decision making and setting goals. Does it have to be pen to paper? I find I type my thoughts quicker because we don't handwrite many things these days. I find writing by hand quite tedious. Yes, I think, again, there are advantages to both. Some research suggests that writing down is slower and you can often doodle and take, you know, the scribbles. You don't have, well, even when you type, you don't have to worry about spelling or grammar or anything like that. You're just writing for yourself. Again, it's back to we're all different and whatever suits you. I find writing very calming and brings me huge clarity but if you prefer typing then type 
Yeah, but, I, you know, I think you're right. And it's interesting that you said it actually slows the brain down, which mm. is what we're all looking to do in this fast-paced yeah. life. Mm. I think people might feel a little bit embarrassed to write all their stuff down. And I think we've always thought that if you kept a diary as a teenager, that it, it, it's cringy to look back on on your thoughts. And we'd always be worried about somebody else finding it and, and hearing our, our innermost thoughts and issues. So how do you overcome that? Yeah, I have a few thoughts on that, actually. Well, one, I think, if if you're going to try journaling and just explore the benefits, I think it is important to, to be honest with yourself and start slowly. That's why I often recommend the gratitude five, five things to start with to get you into the habit. If you're going to write about your personal thoughts and feelings, I think you need to keep your diary, your journal in a, a private space where, where nobody is going to see it. And um, often I think journaling is, have you ever, you know, people have, I know I have overshared at times or shared with the wrong people. And then I went, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that in the moment and, and worried about that. And I think journaling if you can find a private space for your journal is a way to share your feelings privately with just you your journal can be your trusted confidant with no agenda and when you when you share with your journal then you're setting yourself up for better conversations with your friends or family with people you choose to share with you will have a better conversation when you've gotten to the root of your feelings. I have definitely overshared. I start telling all sorts of personal things to people in the queue for the bank, but I, I've, I've done better with social distancing because they, yeah. they're two metres away from me. But yes, I am <laughs> an oversharer, so yeah. you're probably better to do it yourself. But I think so. I've been that person too, and <laughs> I find the journaling. I can write it if you read back over it and you're embarrassed, then tear it up, burn it, do what you like with it. But it gets the it, the words, getting the words down on paper will bring you clarity. And sometimes you'll read back over stuff and you go, oh, I'd forgotten that. That's lovely. I really enjoyed that. Or I can learn from this. Or, wow, I've moved on from that. That was two years ago. Look at what I've learned. So there are, you may get rid of your journal once you've written it. You'll still reap the rewards. Or you can keep it as a reminder and a learning. Yeah, it's a tool, a wellness tool that I have resisted and I've tried most endeavours. Mm. Um, mm. I'm not really sure why, but I was interested talking to a friend recently who's doing a degree in psychology and mm. it's very much part of the journey that she's going on um, as part of the curriculum, along with the the therapy counselling sessions and all of the, the exams and the theory. Mm. So, you know, it's definitely a recognised tool in the world of psychology and in wellness to help people get to know their patterns and get to know themselves. So mm. where would you suggest people listening start? I would say the easiest and the one that gives you the high return on investment is first the gratitude journaling to list five specific small things you're grateful for and be honest. Then notice your pattern and why, list why you're grateful for for them and notice your patterns and then simply do more of these things. Another place I like to start is in, in say personal versus business is joy. What brings me joy? I did a survey some years ago 
with over 100 people now and um, from 8 to 80 something years old. And it was the simple things like the beauty of a flower or a walk in the sunshine that brought people joy. And when I was working with clients as a coach, so many people had forgotten this with the busyness of work and life. Well, Maria Burke, it's going on my list. I'm very grateful for your time today and for for talking to me here on Alive and Kicking. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for chatting with me. Coming up after the break, personal trainer Leslie Gilton and on what to do if your motivation legged it during the pandemic. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna. This is News Talk. Leslie Giltonen is an absolute powerhouse of a woman from Cork. She's a personal trainer and she's made her name through her high energy workout classes and her realistic advice on fitness and health. She launched her app in 2018, meaning she could move online fairly seamlessly during the pandemic. And she's even been given classes from Marina Market in Cork. She is on the line now. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Claire. I love that introduction. That was fabulous. (laughs) Well, I mean, you are very impressive, it has to be said. Um, And I know this firsthand from doing your workouts. We even did a live Instagram workout where I was in my bedroom. And I think we've all (laughs) learned over the years that there's so many things we can do that we didn't think we could. And that's exactly it. I think the pandemic has really shown us that with regard to, to personal fitness anyway, for certain. I mean, so many people would have said to me before when I launched the app in 2018 that there's just no way that they'll train at home and of course that was very disappointing for me because I thought it was going to fly you know when you put so much kind of invested so much time and you had so much energy towards it and really excited about it and then to suddenly find in 2018 after launching it that people really weren't that keen on training at home at all so it took the pandemic pandemic really to happen before people realise that, yeah, you can actually do this. And what's more, it's it's great because it's very efficient and, you know, you can get your workout done when it suits you and you're not travelling back and forth. So with regard to the app, it has been good news for me. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. <laughs> because there is a real lovely community spirit when you start going for regular classes or to a gym mm-hmm. or to a Zumba class or whatever it is. And even if you're going for a walk, if you're meeting a friend, it makes you do it. Whereas if you're doing it on your own, you can kind of say, ah, look, I'll do it tomorrow. So I suppose it's that community feel that people thought would be missing. But actually, you can feel that a little bit on uh, online. There's nothing like face to face, but you can still feel that community, can't you? You really can. And I suppose I was developing the, developing the, the, the live workouts as we went along through the um, lockdowns. And what I realized is by doing the actual live workout. So let's say you have the app, but four, four times a week, there's a, there's a live workout. So you are actually accountable a little bit because if you want to do it, you have to get up at a certain time to be there. And you also know at the back of your mind that it's not just you, that it's maybe you and 50 other people or 60 other people or whatever the case would be, you know, um, and that really, um, I suppose, from from a sales perspective, I could see the increase on the on the app downloads when we started doing that and people started talking about it. So when we had to find a way to have that sense of community, that's what did it really, I think. Yeah. You know, that sense that you're not just doing the workout on your own. But the fascinating thing is, Claire, I knew I was coming on to, to your show this morning 
and um, I did a little survey with my uh, members and my followers on Instagram and the amount of people that are saying to me that they're so happy that they can train at home now and they know they can train at home and get results. Um, now it's wonderful that the gyms are opening and I'm thrilled personally, I'm delighted that they're opened and we have that, um, you know, for, as much for the gym members, but for the gym owners and the people who are working in the gyms, it's fantastic that we're back there. So that's very exciting. But I think for a little while, my own opinion would be for a little while that, um, you know, it might be, people might be still happy to train at home. Yeah, or even, I, I, yeah. or even a little, or even a little balance between the two, you know, the days mm. that you're really busy and you know that there's just no way you'll get to the gym or you'll get to your class. Well, at least you know at the back of the mind that you have that ability to just go into your living room or whatever the case may be, turn on your app and do your work out there. Yeah, I saw you asking that that question um, and you were sort of saying, how are you feeling about the gyms reopening? Are you raring to get mm. back or are you are you quite happy at home? So so what sort of stories were people giving you? What was the overriding sense? Most are happy to, to continue on at home? Yeah. Now, my audience would be, I suppose, young mums, um, young mums and um, and a lot of women. I, I don't know why, but for some reason, um, I don't have too many men customers. But <laughs> that's fine too. I don't mind. So yeah, young young moms and 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 women and lots of them are very very happy to to use the app. They didn't realise how easy it was to a stay fit and strong and get results that you want to get, and at the same time not to have the hassle of having to find childminders or you know um, dashing from work to home and trying to fit in then your gym class as well too was just very challenging for them and they only realized that i think when they started using online training uh, like the, the lean with leslie app so what would you say to people whose motivation is on the floor i think we've all gotten quite used to a slower pace and maybe a walk here and there ticking the exercise box is it only natural to be reluctant to hit the gym or a hit class in a hurry Oh, yeah, totally. But I think that we've learned more than anything how important exercise is now for us, not just for our physical health, but for your headspace. I mean, it's just incredible what benefits you'll get out of doing any form of exercise. So it really is a case of just giving it a shot and getting feeling those endorphins that release, you know, in your head and in your body and, you know, your whole aura of positivity when you finish some sort of exercise. So it's just really, um, essential that we do something to look after ourselves and I think people are realizing that all the more now yeah so you know what I always say is that reluctance it's actually just part of the process I, I'm sure even you yourself Leslie and if people can see you've, you've abs of steel I'm sure you still wake up and think oh can I be bothered I mean I'm sure it's so woven into your life now you know you can be but we will sometimes say oh I don't know about it today but you just have to keep going and push through unless you're really tired and then you have to honour your body yeah. but we all have that idea that oh will I bother today yeah like totally there will be days when you're just you know you have to listen to your own body and I say that at the start of all my classes it's very important that you listen to your own body so if your body is just telling you no I just can't do this day or if you feel pain or anything like that well then obviously you have to stop but you as you said there Claire you're so right you just have to keep going you know there's some things that you have to take ownership of yourself 
and exercising and keeping fit and strong is one of those. And the, the fabulous thing about taking ownership of it is that in a very, very short space of time, and like you don't have to be, a, you know, an elite athlete. I mean, we're just talking about just taking ownership that you fit in 20 minutes a day. And at the end of, you know, a very short period of time, you'll see the benefits of it, not both physically, but mentally as well, too. You're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna. And I'm talking to personal trainer Leslie Giltonen of Lean with Leslie about the gym's reopening and whether our motivation has come with us through the pandemic. Well, I would have to say, I, I mentioned at the opening of the show, I was more sore after two gym sessions in an actual gym than I've been a l- for a long time working out at home. Now, I don't mm. think I achieved nothing working out at home, but... And there, look, there were times I actually worried for my safety as I was using our footstool as my for my step ups. <laughs> um, but I have learned this week that I wasn't working to the pace that I thought I was without a trainer beside me. Yeah, and there is certainly that. I mean, we've started back now doing live classes down in Marina Marcus. So they're outdoor. And we can do that now. We can do outdoor pods of 15. Um, and definitely everybody who is attending those classes are saying to me, oh my God, I was so sore afterwards. Because I suppose you're right. You probably do work a little harder, maybe. Maybe you do work a little harder when you've got an instructor in front of you, motivating you, like physically in front of you. And you also have maybe your friends or even, you know, people that you don't know at all, just, you know, within two metres of you. And they're giving it Holly and you're going to say, well, I'm going to give it Holly. If she can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there, there is certainly that aspect of it that, you know, the, 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 the real deal, if you like, maybe will make you work harder. But what we've done now, which I think was really clever because it's a bit of crack, actually, is we've put um, the camera in front of me down in Marina Market. So, OK, nobody else in Marina Market is being videoed, obviously, because that wouldn't go down too well, I'm sure. Um, so I'm giving the live class to the live audience, but also the app members are joining in. Let's say now if you don't live in Cork or like that now, if you're busy with kids and you can't get down there, um, you know, so that you can do the workout with us. Yeah, that's brilliant. And your joining is as live. I think you're right, though. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a hybrid of both, unless your time is really limited, is probably good that you're checking into a live workout here and there or, you know, seeing some real humans and working out beside them. Um, and a professional is around and, and then a and mix a of at home. Around. Yeah. And like that, that is, that is, that is nice to know as well too, because, okay, so, you know, when you're doing something online, there's nobody there to correct you really, is there? So when you have somebody there, you know, an actual professional, they're talking to you. I mean, if I spotted something that I needed to correct, I'd, you know, say it without calling out any names. But I'd say, you know, make sure this is happening. Make sure that you're aligned properly, that your core is engaged, the knees above the ankle, all that kind of stuff to make sure that somebody who maybe hadn't been doing it correctly could say, oh, God, yeah, I must do that. So there is there is that certainly. yeah. And what's your journey then to becoming a, a personal trainer, Leslie? <laughs> So I was in the finance industry um, for years um, and I loved it, like I, I did love it, but I was always very passionate about keeping fit. So for me, talking about keeping fit is easy. Keeping fit is easy because I do love it. And believe me, Claire, you'd have to love it to do as many workouts as I do. How many would you do in a week? <laughs> so, well, before, before we went into lockdown, I was doing 16 live classes every week. So, 
Um, and I actually do the classes like anybody who, who trains with me will tell you I actually physically do the classes. So that was mad of that. Me looking back on that, I can't believe it. I must have been mad, like 16 live classes a week, full on one hour classes. But look, at it, it was my business and there was like more than 500 people coming to those classes every week. So that's your motivation. You just keep going. And look, you must make it look positive because one of your sons has followed in your footsteps and he's also a personal trainer. He, well, he, he, he qualified as a personal trainer and while he was in college, yeah. But he's gone now. He's, he's, he's doing his master's at the moment and he's, you know, over in London. So I don't have Vince with me anymore with regard to the personal training. But he did certainly help me out for a few years and he was fantastic. And of course, the women loved him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Leslie, good looking and, and muscular and all that kind of stuff. So that was great. So anyway, I decided to clear that, you know, I, I an opportunity came along for me to actually qualify as a personal trainer. And I just took it. And really, my only regret there is that I didn't do that before. Like um, that was when I was 40. Um, and I'm 50 now, 51 now. So I've been doing it for 11 years and I would do it for 111 years if I can. Well, I've no doubt you will. I have to say I absolutely love your energy um, and your outlook. And I love the advice you give. I mean, you talk about eating well, sleeping well, working out in a yeah. way you enjoy. And you always talk about things like making time to laugh in your day and spend time with your totally. friends and a real overall view of health. I love it. If people want to find out more, they can go to leanwithlesley.com. Leslie, keep going. Thanks for talking to me today. Thanks so much, Claire. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week.